have a terrific show today because I uh, have been able to speak with somebody I've admired for so many years, and uh, and that is Sheriff Grady Judd, and he he is a law enforcement leader that really lives that term leadership day after day after day, uh, not only for his deputies and his staff, but for his community. Sheriff, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Sergeant. It is my honor to be with you today. And I like to tell everyone, I'm just a street cop. And I've been in law enforcement since I was 18 years old and I love every bit of it. So it's an honor to be with you today and for us to talk about some of the old times and a lot of the new times. Well, and we're going through some some tough times right now, Sheriff, as you know, you know, American law enforcement is, is uh, under attack and, and, you know, from the political side, from the media side, um, so many urban areas have uh, violent riots and, and things like that. And, and yet here you are, and you're kind of a rarity in police leadership in that when something happens uh, in your county, in your communities, one of the things that you do, one of the first things that you do is you get right out in front and talk to the community uh, through social media and through traditional media, don't you? Absolutely, and that's really the success of any chief executive in law enforcement. It's how well do you listen to the community and how well do you inform the community when things are happening? You know, the traditional old police administrator, tell them nothing, hide everything, everything's confidential. That doesn't work in the new world. It doesn't work when social media can actually inform people of a fatal crash before you can arrive on the scene. So when an emergency occurs, if your chief executive is not out being honest and transparent and communicating, then you're just leaving a void for the people who don't like you or are angry to fill that space. And that's a great way to put it because now with social media, you know, we, get, we can't hide and we shouldn't hide. I mean, the, we work for the public and the public has a right to know what we're doing, why we're doing it. And when we have those, those critical incidents, those officer-involved shootings, I mean, we need to explain to people why we're doing what we're doing, right? Otherwise, they don't understand. Well, Betsy, I, you're exactly correct. And, and do you know that government is their own worst enemy? When you look around at these events in these communities, where there have been protests, that's cool, that have turned to riots, that have turned to looting, that have turned to violence. You can look back in the overwhelming majority of the time, it's the government's fault. They've not trained, they've not recruited the right people for police officers. They've not hired the right people for the police officers. They've not trained people appropriately or I should I say, and or, they've retained people they shouldn't have retained, and the community's fed up. And then event occurs, and the police can be totally 100% right, and they won't release information. So what's the community to think? They think they're hiding something. Oh, we're just protecting the integrity of the investigation. That is BS. 
What it's we absolutely. Do, what we do in this community, whether we're involved in the, the use of force or whether we're investigating a murder, I immediately go in front of not only the traditional media, but I now set up Facebook Live. I look the camera in the eye, much like I am today, and I say, ladies and gentlemen, I'm here today to give you information. Let me underscore, this event happened two hours ago, or one hour ago, or three hours ago. So the information that I tell you right now is the best that we have. And we may find it's inaccurate later on. We'll clear the record up later on. But we want you to know what we know right now. And Sergeant, if the chief law enforcement officer would do that, if they would grab those body cam videos or those store videos or those community videos and say, see there, the guy had a knife. The guy was chasing the cops. The cops were warning them. The cops were backing up from them and were forced to shoot. Then most of that angst would never occur. But when you don't communicate with the community, what are they to think? And then you go, oh, I'm protecting the integrity of the case. You are not. You're creating an environment for your community to burn to the ground. That's absolutely true. And, and we have seen that a lot. And I know, you know, back in the day when you and I were young cops, we were we stood back from the media and we wanted to make sure and, and we still see this today where a lot of police leaders want to wait till they have all the information before we talk to the public about it. And that just doesn't work, does it? No, it doesn't work anymore. And it's so wrong on every level for about a thousand different reasons. I communicate with the traditional media as well as social media. And do you know my folks that cover us, and I don't have an ABC, a CBS, a NBC, a Fox, and a CNN. I have that times two because I've got a Tampa market and I've got an Orlando market. So you double what you have in your community, I've got double that. So I'm looking at two Foxes, two CNNs, two ABCs, two CBS, two NBCs. But when they come to cover me, we have a great professional relationship. Professionally, I respect them. I know they have to ask the tough questions. But when I go out and talk to them on what I call emergent situations, I don't leave them with any questions to ask that I can answer. Because if I know it, I share it. If they ask me a question and I don't have the answer, I'll tell them, I don't have the answer yet, or it's too early in the investigation, or the suspects at large, and that's too detailed of information to release at this moment in time. But as a result, if you first give trust as a police executive, then you'll get trust in return, whether that's in the community, or with the media. I have the highest respect and regard for the media. And as a result, they treat me fair. I hear police executives when I go to state and national meetings, where the media is not fair and they're not this and they're not that. I don't have that experience at all. I find that 98% of the time, the media is spot on. You're thorough, they, they are professional, 
They ask questions. If they want to know something, we try to tell them. If we can't tell them, we tell them why we can't tell them. And that's a rarity. So as a result, when you trust them with information, they trust you. And Sergeant, there's something else that I want to add. A lot of times I will tell them, I'll tell you this now, if you promise not to run it live and hold it, embargo it for two hours, three hours to the six o'clock news tonight. Now, we always have to make sure that we're not on Facebook Live when that happens, and it's normally at the end of the press, what we call the presser, where we've turned off Facebook Live, then I tell them, and I'll give them information that they've got video on. And they go, oh, no, you can't do that. They'll burn you. I've never been burnt. They've always been good for their word with me. But when you play games with them, and as I tell my colleagues when I'm coaching, if you poke a reporter in the eye, well, certainly he or she has feelings. You don't think they're not going to try to poke you back in the eye given the first opportunity? Well, of course they are. But when you build that kind of trust in relationship, occasionally, occasionally they either go above and beyond or you'll get someone that's snarky. I look them in the eye. Facebook Live, they're their Facebook Live, and I say, don't be snarky. Don't be a troublemaker. You know not to ask that question. I'm not going to answer that question. So what you're communicating is that you're talking to your constituency in the community, as well as to the reporter, like you're sitting on the couch in the living room with them. And the community understands that and respects it, and so does the media. But I can tell you I've been sheriff since 2005. I've worked in this organization since I was 18 years old, and I hate to tell you that was a long time ago, since 1972. And I can count on one hand, maybe two hands, with a couple of fingers left over, how many what I call rough situations we've had live on camera. And you know what? The community goes, you go, Sheriff. Answer their questions. Be professional. But if they jump on you, jump back on them. You can't do that every day. I don't do that every day. Like I said, I've talked to them thousands and thousands of times. Probably much less than 10 times have we had a conflict on the air. Because they're professionals. They're there to do a job. And if we help them do their job, they're going to respect us back and be professional to us. See, and that's part of, because you have a reputation, you have a national reputation of dealing honestly with the media. You also have a national reputation with American law enforcement officers for being a leader who supports his people when they're doing the right thing, which is, you know, the vast majority of the time. How does that affect morale at, the, at your sheriff's department? Oh, it works very well because my guys appreciate me standing up and defending them when an event occurs. And I look the deputies in the eye. If we have a horrible event, and let's talk about having to shoot someone in the line of duty. I communicate to the public. We never, ever, ever wake up in the morning and say, gosh, maybe I can shoot somebody today. 
Law enforcement officers wake up every day and pray that they don't have to use deadly force or don't have to get in a fight. But when that occurs, I go to the scene. I look my deputies in the eye. If it's two o'clock in the morning, if it's 12 o'clock in the afternoon, I go to the scene. I get the briefing. I look at them and I say, you did the right thing. I'm going to do the right thing. I call the press, I line them up outside, and I tell them the truth, what happened. And then I say something to the effect, we didn't choose to shoot him. He chose for us to shoot him because he pulled a gun on us. He shot at us. He ran at us with a machete. And here's a clear word to the people in the community that are thinking about shooting my deputies. Don't point a gun at my deputies, because if you do, we'll shoot you. We'll shoot you a lot. We'll shoot you so much that you can read a newspaper through you. The community understands that. The deputies appreciate it. And it's just the truth. No one, especially a law enforcement officer, no one is going to stand there and let somebody stab them or shoot them. And I don't expect my deputies to do that. They've got husbands and wives and significant others and children at home that they want to go to. And you know what? I provide the equipment and the training and the support so that they can go home safely at night. And my community supports that. And that's the thing. And I spend a lot of time talking to the media and I try and explain that to to reporters that that we are humans, we are not expendable, we, we are not robots. And yet now we're in this national conversation about defunding the police. Is that something that you're seeing in your area? And what, what's your thoughts on that from a nationwide standpoint? Well, no, not at all. In my community, it's just the antithesis of that. In fact, because of COVID, it has created an economic difficult situation on local governments. When I presented my budget to the Board of County Commissioners this year, I asked for 12 new deputies, additional deputies, for growth. We're having huge growth in our community. But when I asked for those deputies, it was before COVID and the downturn. So when I presented my final budget to to the Board of County Commissioners, and this is after my staff and their staff worked through the details, I said, Commissioners, I need the deputies. The population's up, the demand for service is up, but I understand that we have a very difficult situation with COVID and a residual, one of the residual negatives is there'll be an economic problem. So I'm willing today to withdraw the 12 deputies and we'll just tough it out and that'll return well over a million dollars to the Board of County Commissioners. They looked me in the eye and said, Sheriff, you keep the money if you see you can do without the deputies, send it back to us at the end of the budget year. Otherwise, go out and hire your 12 deputies. The safety and security of this community is number one. Well, that's the relationships we have. And we can get into as deep as you feel comfortable, Sarge, that most of the communities that have a problem, that problem front that that problem that occurs by the community no it started by the local government 
that was not responsive to the community. So the government you get is based upon how you treat people in the community. And I would love to talk more about that because, you know, you do see a lot of communities where they're very frustrated with their law enforcement, they're frustrated with their city or county government, and they don't feel like the government, all of the government is responsive. And then who is the most visible member of the government, quote unquote, that's law enforcement. We're the ones that are out there in the community. So all of that frustration seems to get unleashed on us, doesn't it? It really does because think about it. Who in your community woke up this morning, spun around, put their feet on the floor and said, gosh, I'd like to have an interaction with the police department today. Wouldn't it be great if I got a ticket on the way to work so I could meet a nice police officer? Wouldn't it be totally awesome if I went outside to get in my car and somebody had broken into it overnight so I could talk to a nice police officer to write a report? People don't want to be involved with us as a witness, as a victim, or a suspect. So we have to be even more forthcoming. We have to be even more engaged in customer service. But that's not normal. Let me give you an example. We had a deputy that retired from us with an illustrious career but he still wanted to work. So we went to a police agency in the central Florida area and he and a couple of his buddies came out of a restaurant one morning and just before they got in their cars, they were kind of standing in a circle talking about what they were gonna do today when someone walked up and had a question of these officers in uniform. Well, they tightened the circle and kind of pushed him out. Well, my former deputy excused himself, went over there and said, sir, can I help you? Well, the gentleman just needed directions. So he took out one of his business cards and he provided the directions on that business card and handed it to the man. On that business card was his name and the brand of the police department. When he walked back over to the officers, you know what they said? Hey, dude. This ain't that customer service at the sheriff's office. We don't do that here. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? So when you treat the community like that, and all of a sudden you have a flare up and they start knocking windows out of stores, you created that environment. You, the police, you, the government, you weren't responsive or you shut them out of your world. The most important thing you can do is to be a best friend, a best neighbor, and during their most difficult times of life, go above and beyond. When that happens, they're not knocking windows out. This county that I live in is 690,000 people. We didn't have a riot. You know why? We love our community. We tell them as much. We engage in our community. We help, and as a result, our community trusts us back, and that's the difference. Now, by the very nature of being a sheriff, you know, you're an elected official, so you're involved in politics. Um, just real briefly, we have about three minutes left. What's it been like to have such a pro-police uh, president in Donald Trump and, and a pro-police administration in Washington, D.C. What has that meant for you over the last four years? 
It's been absolutely phenomenal. Don, I've met personally with Donald Trump on three different occasions during the last four years. I was the president of the major county sheriffs of America. And when I said I met with him, it wasn't me and 500 or 1,000 people. One time there was about 10 police administrators, another time about four, and another time it was just the president and me in a communication. He was totally supportive, and it tells us that somebody has our back because you can't go out and do your job right if the government's not going to support you, if you have to fear being arrested or charged for just doing your job. Donald Trump treated us right the last four years. He absolutely did. Uh, Sheriff, what would you say to a young person who is thinking, boy, I, I, I think I want to be a cop, but things seem so crazy out there right now and so negative. You know, what advice would you have for somebody? Go for it. I've loved most every day. If you love what you do, then you don't work. Oh, there's been some tragic days along the way when you saw that baby die or they had died in your hands. When you went to that fatal crash of the entire family dying in a plane crash or when they shot and kill your partner or your best friend or one of your colleagues, those days are there. But I can tell you that I've had a wonderful life as a, as a law enforcement officer. And my work family surrounds me during the most difficult times. But every day, we make people's lives better. Every day, we serve people and we help them out. And I wouldn't trade my life as a law enforcement officer for anything in the world. So I tell those young men and women, don't deprive yourself of the opportunity to make your community better. Go for it. Absolutely. Sheriff, you're one of the best social media follows out there on Twitter and Facebook. And, and, and so is your agency. How can, how can people follow you and keep up with how you're doing? Because you're just said you're a terrific example of how to communicate with the public. Well, I love the community and I love to talk. I like my First Amendment rights, my freedom of speech. But if you go do polksheriff.org, then you can go online and see all of our access to Twitter, or you can do, you can go on Facebook and type in Polk Florida Sheriff, and voila, there we are. Absolutely, Sheriff. We appreciate you spending some time with us today. And folks, if you'd like more information about the National Police Association, go to nationalpolice.org.